Alleluia, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia, amen. We welcome all of you to our worship service where we celebrate on the Sunday after Easter, continuing to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And uh, it is my prayer once again that we will be able to meet together very soon. And until then, the peace of the Lord be with you always.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like newborn infants, you should crave pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make his deeds among his people known. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Like newborn infants, you should crave pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let us come into God's presence today with penitent hearts and minds, asking for his grace and mercy in our lives. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we freely admit that sin is in our lives and it is troubling. Just when we think that we have conquered one sin, another seems to become a persistent challenge. We have sinned against you in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. We have done what we should not have done, and we have failed to do what is expected of us. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, Strengthen us in your daily walk, in our daily walk to life everlasting. Amen. And upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace and forgiveness of God to all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading for this Sunday after Easter is from the book of Acts, chapter 5. Peter and the other apostles answered, We must obey God rather than people. You murdered Jesus by hanging him on a cross, but the God of our ancestors brought him back to life. God used his power to give Jesus the highest position as leader and savior. He did this to lead the people of Israel to him, to change the way they think and act, and to forgive their sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When the men on the council heard this, they became furious and wanted to execute the apostles. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel stood up. He was a highly respected expert in Moses' teachings. He ordered that the apostles should be taken outside for a little while. Then he said to the council, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you do with these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared. He claimed that he was important, and about 400 men joined him. 
He was killed, and all his followers were scattered. The whole movement was a failure. After that, a man of the census, Judas, from Galilee appeared and led people in a revolt. He too died, and all his followers were scattered. We should keep away from these men for now. We should leave them alone. I can guarantee that if the plan they put into action is of human origin, it will fail. However, if it's from God, you won't be able to stop them. You may even discover that you're fighting against God. The council took his advice. They called the apostles, beat them, ordered them not to speak about the one named Jesus, and let them go. The apostles left the council room. They were happy to have been considered worthy to suffer dishonor dishonor for speaking about Jesus. Every day in the temple courtyard and from house to house, they refused to stop teaching and telling the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. And the second reading for this day is from St. Peter's first epistle, chapter 1. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us a new birth because of his great mercy. We have been born into a new life that has a confidence which is alive because Jesus Christ has come back to life. We have been born into a new life which has an inheritance that can't be destroyed or corrupted and can't fade away. That inheritance is kept in heaven for you since you are guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. You are extremely happy about these things, even though you have to suffer different kinds of trouble for a little while now. The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith, as fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold, and by passing the test, it gives praise, glory, and honor to God. This will happen when Jesus Christ appears again. Although you have never seen Christ, you love him. You don't see him now, but you believe in him. You are extremely happy with joy and praise that can hardly be expressed in words as you obtain the salvation that is the goal of your faith. This also is the word of the Lord. Alleluia! We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Alleluia. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Alleluia. And the Holy Gospel, which also serves as the basis of our message for today, is from St. John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. That Sunday evening, the disciples were together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad to see the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. After he had said this, he breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Thomas, one of the twelve apostles, who was called Didymus, wasn't with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Thomas told them, I refuse to believe this 
unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers into them and put my hand into his side. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to Thomas, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and yet believe. Jesus performed many other miracles that his disciples saw. Those miracles are not written in this book. But these miracles have been written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and so that you will have life by believing in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this Sunday after Easter 
is the gospel for today recorded in John chapter 20. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. That Sunday evening, the disciples were together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. In the name of our dear, risen Lord Jesus Christ, who guarantees us everlasting life through his resurrection and the forgiveness of sins, dear friends, Easter is not just about an empty tomb and some bewildered people. It's about a Savior who died and came back to life and appeared to his disciples. The reason for mentioning that is that our Christian faith is not a blind faith. It's not a blind faith where you throw all reason aside. Christianity is trusting invisible historical evidence. That's why Jesus, after he suffered and died and he rose again, he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to provide evidence and to give peace. After Jesus' death and resurrection, for 40 days before his ascension into heaven, he appeared to his disciples many times in many ways to provide undeniable physical empirical evidence that he was alive. Because as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if Christ hasn't come back to life, your faith is nonsense and sin still has you in its power. And so Jesus went to great lengths to show people that he was alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I passed on to you the most important points of doctrine that I have received, St. Paul said. Christ died to take away our sins as the scripture predicted. He was placed in a tomb. He was brought back to life on the third day as the scriptures predicted. He appeared to Cephas. Next, he appeared to the 12 apostles. Then he appeared to more than 500 believers at one time. Most of these people are still living, but some have died. Next, he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the apostles. Last of all, he also appeared to me. After Jesus rose from the dead, he took great pains to appear to his disciples, sometimes up north in Galilee, sometimes down south in Jerusalem. During the day, at night, indoors and outdoors. Even the guards that have been stationed at his tomb recognized that he had risen and they could re not resist God's power. Matthew 28, after the day of worship, as the sun rose Sunday morning, Mary from Magdala and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly there was a powerful earthquake. An angel of the Lord had come down from heaven, rolled the stone away, and was sitting on it. He was as bright as lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so deathly afraid of him that they shook. The chief priests gathered together with the leaders and agreed on a plan 
they gave the soldiers a large amount of money and told them to say that Jesus' disciples had come at night and had stolen his body while they were sleeping. They added, if the governor hears about it, we'll take care of it, and you have nothing to worry about. The soldiers took the money and did as they were told. Their story has been spread among the Jewish people to this day. First John tells us in chapter 1, The word of life existed from the beginning. We have heard it. We have seen it, talking about Jesus. We observed and touched it. This life was revealed to us. We have seen it and we testify about it. We are reporting to you about this eternal life that was in the presence of the Father and was revealed to us. This is the life we have seen and heard. We are reporting about it to you also so that you too can have a relationship with us. Our relationship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this so that we can be completely filled with joy. Jesus appeared to so many to give evidence that he had been dead, but now he was alive. And so we turn our attention to the worst words of God before us this morning from John chapter 20, where we look in on a special appearance or appearances by Jesus to his disciples. Perhaps many of you know the story well. It was on the first Easter evening. The ten disciples were gathered behind locked doors and Jesus appeared. And then there was the second account, the Sunday evening after that, where Thomas was there, and we hear that special story. Ten disciples hunkered down together in a locked room. And suddenly Jesus was there. The windows were locked, the doors were locked. Jesus just appeared in a glorified body no longer subject to the laws of nature. He could be anywhere at any time, in any place. He appeared to his disciples and he said, Peace be with you. We know the second appearance uh, when uh, Jesus, uh, the disciples, after he appeared the first time, uh, Jesus, uh, the disciples went and they told Thomas, who was missing at that time, and they said, We've seen the Lord! And that's when Thomas said, oh, no, unless I touch him or whatever, I'm not going to believe that at all. Just have to uh, mention that uh, Thomas gets such a bum rap. Everybody talks about how Thomas doubted. He was the doubting Thomas. Just have to recall a few things on that first Easter morning. Everybody was a doubter. The ladies went to the tomb. They didn't believe that Jesus was alive until they saw him. Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene was there crying in the garden. She didn't believe until she saw Jesus. Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen Jesus, and Scripture says they did not believe it. The women also told the disciples in another account of Scripture, it says, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. A whole bunch of doubters on that first Easter. I was going to talk about in, in the sermon this morning a little bit about doubters in the Bible, and so I looked up some uh, doubters in the Bible maybe to talk about one or two. 
The Bible is filled with believing doubters. Abraham doubted God. Tried to take a bunch of little pains and efforts on his own. God said, no, no, no. And even though you're 100 and your wife is 90, you will have a son. And Abraham saw God perform. And God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. He said, how can I possibly do that? More than a million people never happened. God brought a million and a half people out of Egypt, had them cross the Red Sea as it divided in two. Moses then believed because he saw God perform. Zacharias, in the New Testament, God came to him. In his old age, his wife was beyond uh, childbearing age. He said, you're going to have a son. Zacharias doubted. Later on, John the Baptist was born. He was filled with doubt until he saw God perform. Jesus performed once again, even for Thomas, even for that doubter. He said, okay, take your hands, put them in my side, my hands, see my... Thomas said, my Lord and my God, and now he believed. Jesus presents evidence even to doubters. As important as the evidence that Jesus gave that, uh, uh, to his disciples so that they would have evidence that he was alive. Jesus also came, though, after his resurrection to give peace. You know, the opposite of peace is war. But the opposite of peace is also fear. What were the disciples afraid of as they were sitting hunkered down in that room with the windows and doors locked? Scripture says they did that because they were afraid of the Jews. Perhaps so, because they recognized we're followers of Jesus. If this happened to Jesus, maybe the same thing's going to happen to us. I really think also, though, that maybe the, the uh, disciples were not just afraid of the Jews. What happened if the story that the women told them that Jesus was alive was true? Would they have to be afraid of Jesus? On that first Easter evening, the disciples were afraid, meeting behind locked doors and windows, and all of a sudden Jesus was there, his glorified body. I mean, how would you react? How would you react if a dead relative of yours suddenly showed up in your living room alive? Would you say, oh, that's real nice? That's why Jesus had to say, peace be with you. Calm down. It's really me. Everything's okay. Do you ever think about it, how... Whenever sinfulness comes into contact with holiness in a miraculous way in the Bible, there's always a result of fear. Fear not, Mary. You have found favor with God. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Don't be afraid. Jesus is not here. He has risen as he said. The disciples were filled with emotional fear. But I'm sure that they were also filled with spiritual fear. They were afraid that Jesus, perhaps they were afraid that Jesus would be angry with them. Peter, I told you that you would deny me. 
Friends, I told you that you would run away. I told you that I would come back to life. Would Jesus scold or lecture or punish? Would he still be their friend? Jesus says, peace be with you. Jesus wanted the disciples to know the peace that comes with forgiveness. Peace, that sense of inner peacefulness based upon a right, peaceful relationship between yourself and God. The assurance of God's presence both now and in eternity. Jesus wanted his disciples to know of the eternal peace that he came to bring to them. You know, peace is a whole lot more than the cessation of war. Perhaps you've uh, watched documentaries on TV about wars, world wars, wherever it may be, recent wars. You take a look at some of the cities, and those cities and buildings lie in rubble. You see, true peace is not just the cessation of war. True peace comes after the mess is all cleaned up, when there is once again safety and security. Jesus wanted his disciples to know of the peace of body and soul. He would be with them now and for all eternity. And Jesus wants you to have that same peace, emotional and spiritual and eternal peace. A peace that comes after the mess is all cleaned up when he forgives and removes all of your sins. But you know, living in the real world, we struggle, not always comprehending or experiencing in its fullness the peace of God that passes all understanding. We struggle in faith, just like Thomas. God, are you going to get us through this? What are you going to do about the virus and the economy? God, you sure you can handle this? And so we struggle to have some peace and to have some faith. And let me tell you that you can't conjure up peace and faith on your own because it's a gift of God. Faith rests on the testimony of the word. Dr. Martin Luther once said, I believe what God's word promises if I feel it or if I don't feel it. Trying to grab on to some faith or some peace. I'm reminded of the story that I once read in a little devotional booklet about the little four-year-old girl and her dad and they were walking across the ice on a pond. And uh, the little girl took a hold of her dad's hand, and they walked a little way, and she fell on the ice. And so she got up, and she walked a little further, grabbing her dad's hand once again. And she walked a little ways, and she fell on the ice. And then she looked at her dad, and she said, No, Daddy, this time you hold my hand. You see, don't try to grab onto God. Let Him grab onto you. Let your Father's word of peace live in your minds. 
Suddenly there was with the angels a company of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. For us, to, for, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <clears throat> so there it is, your Easter gift from Jesus. He gave it to the women. He gave it to the men. He gave it to Thomas. And he gives it to you. It's about turning fear into joy. It's about turning God's anger into love. It's about turning doubt into faith. It's his gift of peace. And it's yours even when you're not feeling peaceful. It's just the perfect Easter gift. It's exactly what you need. It's exactly what you have. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We confess our faith today with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs for pastors, teachers, and all church workers, that they may find encouragement in times of trial. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who have never heard of Jesus, that through the witness of Christians and the power of the Holy Spirit, they may come to believe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our president and governor, for our congressmen and congresswomen, that God may guide their thinking and decision-making to conform to his will for this nation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those whose needs go beyond human solutions, that you would provide the resources that only can be found in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who are affected by illness, that they may find wellness through your gifts of health and healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
for those whose time in this world is drawing to a close, that you would enable them to fix their eyes on Jesus in word and sacrament, finding strength of faith for their journey to eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We join together in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.